in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the sixth Sunday of the Pentecost period. This is the last Sunday of the Holy 50 days before the Feast of the Pentecost, which is next Sunday. Um, in the reading of today, the Lord tells the disciples plainly, uh, without using any kind of figure of speech, that he came from the Father and that he must return again to the Father. And all throughout the ministry of the Lord, there was always some mystery as to who is, who is he and where did he come from and where is he going. And now before the time of the crucifixion, he is telling the apostles what is it that they should expect and telling them about himself. So he makes this clear statement and says to them that he came from the Father and he returns again to the Father. Having heard this, the disciples then, believing that they have now a clear understanding of faith and a clear understanding of the Lord and who he is, we read that they responded in verse 30, it says, Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. So they're saying now that you have revealed this to us, now you have spoken plainly and clearly to us, now we believe and we understand that you came forth from God. It's like, you know, this is what they have been waiting to hear in plain, clear language from the beginning. You have come forth from God. We believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God. But the Lord now responded to them in verse 31 and 32. He says, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. So even though from the perspective of the disciples, they believed that they finally had the information that they were looking for this whole time, and that they now understood who the Lord was, and they made a declaration of faith saying, now we believe that you came forth from God, and yet the Lord doubted their faith. He said, do you believe now? Is this because I said this statement, that I came forth from God and I'm returning again to God, that you now believe? And he says, let me tell you what is going to happen, that you will be scattered, each one to his own, and you will leave me alone. So even though from the perspective of the disciples, they had confidence in their understanding and confidence in their faith, and yet the Lord, knowing their hearts, looked at them, and he said, even though you say this, and even though you say that you believe, but you, this is what you are going to do. You're going to leave me. You're going to be scattered. Your faith is not as strong as you believe it is. You, you think that you have faith, but actually it is not nearly what is necessary in order for you to stand up against the persecution, against the trials, against the things that you are going to face very shortly and the time now when they take me for judgment and crucifixion. So I want to speak today about five types of false confidence that we might have um, in our faith. Five, five things that maybe we believe, just like the disciples did, that we have a good grasp of, that we have a good understanding of. Five things that, that um, you know, we, we maybe are sure about in ourselves or we believe to be true in ourselves and yet maybe are not the case. The first one is a false confidence in our faith. The disciples, you know, who now had understood who Christ was, didn't really translate this faith into self-sacrifice. They had a faith of understanding, a faith in the mind, that if they were asked who is the Lord, they could say he is the Messiah, he came from the Father, he's returning from the Father. They didn't doubt the words of the Lord. But this faith did not translate into them now having known this to be willing to sacrifice themselves for his sake. Their faith was still a bit superficial, without a depth to it. It was a faith of the mind, but it wasn't necessarily a faith of the heart or a faith of action. St. Peter actually, prior to this, when he's speaking with the Lord, 
He made this declaration in Matthew 26. It says, but Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. But the Lord then said that, uh, that they will be scattered. And we know for a fact that after the Lord was captured, it says what, that they all forsook him and fled. So it is easy for us to say that we have faith or to believe that we have faith in a vacuum when our faith is not being tested, when our faith is not being attacked, when our faith is not being challenged. It's easy for me to stand and say that I have faith when everything around me is perfect or the environment that I'm in is actually encouraging me to have faith. But what about when we are placed in an environment or with people or in circumstances where there is a sacrifice that has to be made for the sake of the faith that I proclaim? What if we have to sacrifice time and how is it that we choose to use our time and our day? What if we have to sacrifice money? What if we have to sacrifice convenience? What if we have to sacrifice our social relationships in the society where now Christianity is more and more rejected? What is it that I sacrifice in order for the faith that I have? How much am I called to sacrifice to be a disciple of the Lord? So one type of false confidence that we might have is believing that our faith is strong, but then when we go out into the world, we find that maybe it crumbles at the, in, in, the, in the face of obstacles, in the face of challenge, in the face of doubt, in the face of persecution. Maybe we find our faith is not nearly as strong as we thought it was, just as the disciples here also um, experienced the same. Number two, sometimes we have false confidence in knowing God's will. Certainly as believers, we believe that we have the mind of Christ. We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So we believe that we have the mind of Christ. We believe that we have the Holy Spirit that is guiding us in our life, that is directing us in the right path. And we know a lot of things about the will of God, and we know a lot of things about ourselves. We know where we came from. We know our destination. We know the damaging effects of sin. We know what God desires in general for all, for all of us as believers. But when it comes to very specific questions about our life, what should I do? Where should I go? Who should I marry? What job should I have? What, what all these very specific things and decisions that we have to make, sometimes we have false confidence in believing that we know the path that we should walk and the will of God in these things, but maybe I am mistaken. Sometimes my own bias my own desires get in the way, and I believe that I have the answers to this, but maybe um, what I'm actually listening to is my own desire rather than the will of God. Sometimes people will come and, and they, will, they will believe that something is the will of God, but that, that thing that they believe is the will of God it will actually take them away from God, will actually take them away from the church, will actually take them away from the good things that they have now in order to attain something that, that maybe they believe is God's will, but maybe is not. So certainly we discover the will of God in our life and we discover the will of God through prayer and through guidance and, and through many things. But sometimes we falsely believe that we know the will of God. We know. Even as we make decisions, maybe I can say, I believe that this is God's will. I believe God is guiding me toward a certain thing. But to say for sure that I know the will of God, many, many of us have experienced situations where we believe something was God's will and everything was leading up to this point where, where this thing was going to be realized, and at the very last minute, everything changed. At the very last minute, we, everything ended up changing. We didn't actually go through this process or, 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 or do whatever it is that we thought was the will of God all along. So it's easy for us to believe that we know the will of God. But in the end, God reveals his will at the time, at the right time, and we can only say that it was God's will in retrospect. We can only, looking back at our life, 
we can have an understanding of what is the will of God and how God used his will to guide and direct our life. But when we look at the future, we don't know for certain. We, we, we pray and we ask God to direct us, but we shouldn't believe that we know anything for sure until it has actually come to pass. A third uh, false confidence that we have is sometimes we have a false confidence in our salvation in the sense that sometimes we believe that God is going to save us no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what I do, no matter what I choose, no matter how I choose to live, that I have salvation. Certainly we believe that God is merciful and we believe that God accepts anyone who comes to repentance and forgives them their sins. But sometimes there are people who are not repenting and are not confessing and are living a life away from God and yet they believe maybe that because they have been baptized that they are inherently it's built into their genes that they are saved and that they have salvation that can never be taken away from them. In the end, what is the confidence that we should have? Our confidence should be in God because we know that he is merciful and good. But our confidence should not be in ourselves. We shouldn't put on ourselves or believing in ourselves that we will always make good choices or that I always make the right decision or that everything that I do will be appropriate and good. This is why we live our life very carefully, very carefully. We want to be careful what we allow ourselves to do, what we allow ourselves to see, what we allow ourselves to, who is it that we end up knowing, who is our friends, who are the people that we spend time with. Because we should look at ourselves and being very um, understanding that we are very weak and we are easily impressionable, and it's easy for me to, to go astray. I shouldn't think of myself strong and confident in who I am, believing that nothing can move me and nothing can change my faith. St. Paul, when speaking to the Galatians, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Maybe to those who began in the right path, in the right way, seeking God and doing the right thing, and yet somehow over time it changed. Now they are seeking after the flesh. They are seeking perfection in the flesh and not the spirit. Also in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 11, it's a very interesting uh, kind of phrase or proverb here. It says, let not the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. Like the one who is getting ready to go into a ward and putting on his armor, let him not be boastful in thinking that he will sure, for sure have victory, that he will sure win the battle. But the one who should boast is the one who takes off the armor, the one who survived the battle and now afterward is taking the armor off. And so we should never have any kind of false confidence. We go through our life believing that we are saved by the mercy of God and that we are in need of him constantly at all times. And we don't put a false confidence in ourselves. A fourth false confidence we might have is a false confidence in our achievements. You know, the people who built the Tower of Babel, they believed themselves to be great engineers and great in, 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 in all of their accomplishments that they did in the world. And they were challenging God and believing that they could reach the heavens, not through the grace of God, but to reach heaven through their own human ingenuity, through their own human achievement. And that if God were to send another flood into the world, as he did at the time of Noah, that instead of perishing, that these people could simply climb this tall tower that they had made and escape from God as though they could best him, as though they could outsmart him, as though that they were more clever than him. They said in Genesis 11, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And for a time, God allowed them to build this tower. God did not destroy this tower immediately. 
God did not prevent them from building the tower. God allowed them to build, and it looked like for a time that they were actually succeeding in accomplishing what it is that they had sought out to do, which is to make this tower and, it, and to boast of it and to feel in themselves that actually that they were like God. But at the appointed time, at the time that God chose, he confused their languages, and in the end, they were unable to continue the work. So maybe the world feels like they are able to live and survive and thrive without God and that they have no need for God. And maybe for a time it appears that they are succeeding and continuing in the work in, in that we see around us, going further and further away from God's commandments, further and further away from the will of God. But we read in Isaiah chapter 36, it says, I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Sometimes we have all of these boastful plans or that we look at our own achievements and accomplishments and believe that we are in no need of anyone around me or I am no need of God. And certainly our society as a whole is declaring this every second of every minute of every day, that we are in no need of God because we look at all of the achievements we have built, look at all the things we have accomplished, look at the cities that we have built, the country we have built, the world that we have built. Our world is like one gigantic Tower of Babel where people are building it every day, every day, every day, and they feel like there is no end. There is no end. But here in Isaiah, he says what? They are mere words. They are mere words. If any time the Lord could come and could frustrate any accomplishment that we have made so that it does not continue or that it crumbles to nothing. But God is, in his mercy, is giving us a chance. He's giving us time. He's giving us opportunities for repentance. But we should not have false confidence in our achievements or believe that because we are able to build and achieve and advance and, and, and even us personally, in our own personal life, are the achievements that we have, the, the, the work that we do, um, maybe all these things are gifts that God has given us that we should be thankful for and not instead feel like we are rebellious in our attitude toward him and that we have a false confidence in our achievements. The last false confidence that I want to speak about is we have false confidence in the length of our life. Because in the end, when we remember that our life is limited and our life is short and it has an end, it puts everything else into perspective. We ask the question, will you live forever? And of course, maybe instinctively we all know that the answer is no, I will not live forever. But then if you look at our lives and the way that we choose to live and the way that we choose to spend our time, does it reflect that maybe we do believe that we will live forever? Maybe it does. Maybe, maybe for each of us to look and examine ourselves, am I using all the time God has given me to, to its fullest, to the way that God has chosen and the way, way that God wants me to, to live? In Luke 21, the Lord says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. That day meaning the day of judgment or the day of the end. So sometimes we have false confidence that I'm going to wake up the next day. I have false confidence that my life will continue as it has in the past, will continue in the future. I have false confidence that everything will be in, in my life according to my own will and according to how I want it to go. And the length of my life is still very, very long. And I have many, many days ahead of me. But the more that we contemplate on this idea of end of life, and we speak about this in the Harvest Meeting, we have a, a series about the afterlife um, from the Orthodox understanding and perspective. The more that we see how much we are in need of God even now, how much we are in need of God, not to boast about our long life and not to be confident in this length of life, but instead to make every day an, a new beginning, 
You read in um, the life of Anthony by Saint Athanasius, who wrote about the life of Saint Anthony. Saint Anthony always said that he begins his his spiritual life every morning anew, like it's a brand new day with a brand new spiritual goals. He doesn't look at the past about maybe whatever successes or failures that he had in the past. And he doesn't look at the future of what's going to happen tomorrow. He only looks at the day, the current day. How can I live this day <coughs> to the fullest? How can I live this day for God? And not have any false confidence about what might come in the future. We don't know. You know, by the grace of God, he gives us a day after a day after a day. But we don't know how long this will last. So all these false confidences that we spoke about, we have false, false confidence in our faith. Maybe thinking our faith is stronger than it really is. False confidence that we know the will of God for certain and that we know everything that God is doing in our lives and in the world for certain. False confidence in ourselves that we have salvation. Maybe I am the one who will choose to walk away from God. We know that God is, 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 is trustworthy, but I am not trustworthy in myself. I cannot trust myself. False confidence in our achievements and what we're able to do in the world. And finally, false confidence in, our, in on the length of our life. The disciples believed that their faith was strong but they were not prepared for what was going to happen. They were not prepared. They, couldn't, they, they thought they were prepared. They thought that their faith, they understood the Lord was the Messiah. But when the time came, it says they all forsook him and fled. But thankfully, God does not reject us even with all these false confidences. As a kind father, he looks at us just as maybe we look at our own children who believe themselves to be brighter, stronger, faster, better than maybe they really are thinking they can lift very heavy things that they cannot lift, things, thinking that they can run faster than people that they cannot run faster than, thinking that they are more knowledgeable than they really are, and yet as parents we look at them and we smile and we give them um, comfort and we, we, we love them and we show them mercy and we don't judge them according to what they believe about themselves because we love them and we know that they are still have a lot to learn. God also looks at us and he sees that we still have a lot to learn. God does not want to condemn, but he wants to have mercy. He wants to open our eyes to see the truth so that we would live our lives the way that he wants us to live and to place our trust in him. So may God grant us that we have confidence in him and only him and not in anything else in the world or in ourselves. And glory be to God forever. Amen.